Hello, fellow travelers. This is David Woods, your host and trusted guide. Welcome to our little fellowship as we gather to discuss the Christian life in a post-Christian world. We are broadcasting from Babylon with love. Have you ever felt offended at the talents, successes, or good fortune of others? Have you ever felt selfish or unnecessary rivalry and competition? Have you felt pleasure at others' difficulties or distress? A general feeling of ill will? Reading false motives into others' behavior? Belittling others? False accusations? Backbiting? Slander? Initiation? (laughs) Collection? Or retelling of gossip? That grammar broke down fast, Laura. Well, my friends, if you've been feeling any of these things, including fostering or organizing antagonism against others, scorn of another's abilities or failures, teasing or bullying, the ridicule of persons, institutions, or ideals, and prejudice against those we consider inferior, you may have felt envy. Wow. My friends, that did not work out how I planned, but nonetheless, it does like tell it. you where we are headed. We're headed to that place, Laura, that we've all been once before, and maybe twice, and it's the land of envy. Envy. Now, we got to say, as we kick this thing off, uh, Rebecca DeYoung, uh, in Glittering Vices here, she puts envy at the front of all Number her... Number one. Yeah, of all her seven deadly or her capital vices. Mm-hmm. You and I disagreed or we at least started with vainglory instead of envy so it's interesting to me that she locates it so early rather than sort of where we would sort of Mm -hmm. lean toward the prideish one which is our our vainglory move um and i think when people think of envy uh there's sort of a caricature somewhere in the back of the mind says envy is not quite the same as jealousy i think right but what is the distinction it always seems to be muddled uh in people's understanding or even in my understanding what would the difference between envy and jealousy be the difference excuse me the difference that she talks about um in envy is in jealousy is Really, not that you just want what they have, but you want to surpass where they are. Like, I'm not just jealous of your home, but I want a better home than you. Like, there's kind of a personal element to it. Um, you want the very thing that the rival has, or uh, so I want that one, the one she has. Okay, the ve- okay, the very thing. I see what you're saying. So it's it's in it's almost more particular. I think so, and I think you can be. Um, we we use the term jealous really casually. I think like right. if um, if you went to Italy next week, I would be really jealous, but I wouldn't be unhappy for you. Like I want to go to Italy too, but I'm not mad that you're going to Italy. There it is. But envy is that your happiness makes me upset. That's right. Okay, so on forty two, she says the envious person resents another person's good gifts because they are superior to his or her own. It's not just that the other person is better, it is that by comparison, their superiority makes you feel your own lack or your own inferiority more mm-hmm. acutely. So it, it like it snaps back. Um, so I think jealousy, I mean, yeah, anytime you scroll through anywhere at any time, um, you're like, oh man, that, oh, 
oh my gosh, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we probably feel that all the time, you know, and make sure it doesn't like master us and things like this. But I think we, we always sort of like long for good things that we don't have or haven't experienced or aren't experiencing now. That sort of is a sort of a knee-jerk reaction probably to mm-hmm. anything good or that we would desire it for a moment and then realize, oh man, I wish I, I, wish I did have that. Um, but envy is this thing where, where you feel inferior yeah. by comparison, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't just feel like, okay, I won that thing, but you feel like I don't have that thing. That, that, right. that negative is a much stronger part of what envy seems to be. Um, now, you know, before we started chatting here, you mentioned she gives a couple big illustrations, but they're both fictional. Yeah. Uh, what is that? Like, is, is, is. Yeah, they're so dramatic. they're extreme. Yeah. I've never seen Amadeus, though I was telling David I need to because it's referenced in everything. Everybody's always talking Every about Amadeus. Amadeus. Um, but I guess because it is the perfect example of jealousy and of sort of the poison of envy. Right. And, um. Yeah, and it's kind of some narcissism, but I wouldn't know. I haven't seen it. I just know it looks pretty elaborate. Um, but And then she references The Incredibles, which I also thought was a helpful reference. But again, in both of those cases, they're like people who want to murder someone else, basically. <laughs> and so um, I was trying in my head to think of some lower-level examples. So that list you read at the beginning is helpful for that, right? Um but I don't know. Some of the some of the examples tossed out there for envy seem so, I don't know, if nefarious or just so cruel. I'm curious what the more like subtle versions of it look like um, in real life. And so, like, I don't know. How how have you seen? Not necessarily in your own heart or asking for a friend. Uh-oh. Um, but like, how have you seen that envy play out in reality? In like its real sort of normal passive <laughs> aggressive ways. Rather than just like the, you know, what's the name of the the ice skater who, uh, you know, Ooh, attacked Tanya another. Harding? Yeah, and not, wow, it's, it's not us. always Tanya Harding, you yeah. know? Why? Why? Oh, man, I'll never forget that. Um, okay, no. Okay, so that list. Feeling offended at the talents, successes, or good fortune of others. Feeling offended. Yeah. Okay, so in part, because envy is described in some of these ways, I've always felt like, I don't really have like a bunch of contact with this. Like I don't, mm. I don't f- think at first blush that I'm like offended by people like doing well. Right. Um, but as you sort of probe or as you think a little bit further about that and you do think about, okay, there is a low level sort of disturbing default somewhere in our, in our settings <laughs> mm. that does enjoy seeing things fall apart for celebrities. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I <laughs> right? think um, as much as I know of you and myself, I think uh, our probably the most common way it would come out in us would be some schadenfreude. 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 With a, with yeah. A, so, but just, or even, um, I think that, so yeah, I was trying to think through how that is envy because I was listening to a Tim Keller sermon to prepare for this talk and he sort of said, envy is kind of the one that people least report or think that's not my problem okay um and then he was saying but you can tell where it might be cropping up by the people who bother you or annoy you or frustrate you or okay, I like when that. the 
And he was saying, you need to pause and see, is this because of some version of envy that you are annoyed? And I thought, okay, that's a helpful yeah. metric. Um, because, I, yeah, I don't consider myself a very competitive person. I don't know if you do, David. but I, uh, Yeah, I guess. I used to be quite a bit more, maybe. And But I guess, and also in our career, there's not really like a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. Um, that's so, true. so, yeah, this was, it, these lists were helpful. The real life examples were helpful. And sort of the getting to the, some of the really fine-tuned postures of the heart. Um, yeah. Okay. Like. Okay. Retelling of gossip. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. I can just. I can think of moments in which maybe someone's talking about someone, and I'm like, "What are you doing? Like, what? Like, who cares? Like, what are we doing this for?" Yeah. And I can think of other times it's like, "Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like, there is an interesting thing, but you do have to like do that pause thing that Keller's talking about. You almost have to like take a second, and, like, wait a minute, which which gossip am I more interested in? Yeah. Like, and what is that related to? Who is it related to? Because there's many people who just be like, oh, come on, guys, you know, and you feel like all pious. You're like, now, nah, guys, come on, you know. Let's not talk about it. Let's him. not do it. But then there's other where you would almost instigate, like, well, did you did you hear? Did you right? Did you sure? And so there are people who who maybe deeper down you do have a sense as she starts to elaborate more that sense of of rivalry or uh, what i really thought was helpful was that Mm -hmm. you don't envy someone who is completely unlike you you don't envy someone who is doing something you don't do i don't envy musicians okay i'm not a musician i appreciate musicians so when i think of envy i'm like i don't really envy people i'm like happy for this person's random success i'm happy for that person's right i feel like i'm all magnanimous there's enough to go around yeah come on but laura like young like pastor or preacher yeah comes walking by and i'm like what's uh who's that guy what's going on over here hey what has he done where did he go to seminary yeah what what faulty vision of christianity can i clarify with him you know (laughs) like there is a weird thing when it gets really close to the thing you do yeah the thing that you are the thing that you are really interested in and that you invest a lot of yourself in Maybe see yourself as um, all of a sudden that is okay. Now, now we're in a territory. So it may not be ninety eight percent of all people I come into contact with, but there is this like really narrow slice of people who do virtually the same kind of work that I do, um, especially mm-hmm. if it's creative work, right? Especially if it's not just sort of mechanistic, you know, sort yeah. of serve your time, you know, bust the tables, do whatever you got to do. When it comes to something that you think like, no, I'm like sort of investing my unique personality or gifts or self in, um, and they're doing something very similar in in a context that I recognize, and somehow I'm very interested, and yeah. and then maybe disturbingly, kind of okay in my heart if they don't do a great job when they do the thing I do. Right. Oof. Yeah. When somebody's Gross. when somebody's been a hyped talked big talk yeah. and then you read yeah. their book or listen to their thing and you're like ooh actually hmm, i no. wouldn't have said it that way hmm, hmm. interesting yeah. yeah i was thinking through this this quote on page 51 maybe this is jumping the gun a little bit but jump um she says when rivals outshine the envious it is not over something negligible or trivial Rather, their rival's success threatens the best part of themselves. Yeah, that's it. The part they take pride in, something on which their self-affirmation depends. Those who envy, acknowledge, and internally chafe at their judgment that they are worth less because someone else is better. Woo! Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's when some, even when somebody's truly good at something, um, 
our inability to recognize that and see it and think you're awesome at that. That's amazing. It's, yeah. it's sort of somehow it chafes us and we're like, you know, become all back by at the place where it gets to the thing we also yeah. value uh-huh. and have poured some some of ourselves into yeah we label so ourselves with. i i yeah i would have if she wants she should have started the chapter with this right yeah it's like okay if you're wondering what this is for you think of the thing that you really value and that you think of yourself doing and doing well mm-hmm. or enjoying right mm-hmm. like go right to your thing and then think of the the people who are very similar in that they also do that thing or maybe they're about your age or they're your same gender or whatever it is you know if you can slice it more and more similar you'll find probably people that you might experience greater schadenfreude if they don't do so well publicly or if they fail at something or if it didn't quite pan out and Mm -hmm. because they did something that oh shoot i was gonna do that very same thing like she beat me to this. Like, that's uh, right. that was my idea. I had it in my head. Well, and you know, interestingly, as I was sort of, uh, you know, looking around the internet on the topic of envy, looking up other, other what, what podcasts are talking about envy? Mm. I did not listen to, but I saw the title of uh, a Goop podcast, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> Let's go. <clears throat> and it was something along the lines of envy as good. Oh, Or like as go. a positive. Yeah, motivate you. Because it, it's a motivator yeah, of yeah, like... Yeah. If you're annoyed that that person published a book before you, well, use that as a... And I thought, well, that's... that's Girl, wash your face. Oh, man. Isn't that that whole thing? I don't know. I didn't read it. Shoot. It's a whole, like, empire. There's, like, a few of them. And then there was a bunch of backlash. Yeah. But I think it was, like, in part motivated by, like, hey... Get your stuff together. If you're looking over there at someone doing better, then that means yeah. you've got to step up your game. Make right? it happen. Make it happen. And stop apologizing. Be a boss, Laura, right? Yeah. And so that's a really interesting like attempt to... And I saw a few podcast titles along that vein of like envy, good or bad, positive <laughs> or negative. Who knows? Um, but I could see how if, if you're operating from a, the world's perspective of there's scarcity and... Uh, with you know hardcore capitalism got to make it happen mm. well then yeah there's only so many people can rise to the top um, which is decidedly different than the economy of Jesus where there is enough to go around and here you want some have some there's plenty multiplying loaves and fishes here so I could see that yeah if I was operating from a baseline perspective of um, only some people can can make it right then yeah I've got to I've got to use your success as and use the rage to get ahead of you okay and that's interesting even more still then because that means um we envy people's as you said success like what are we actually envying yeah it's not even the gift it's the recognition it's the 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 payout from the book deal it's the it's like literally like some monetized thing or i can think of talking to one of our high school basketball player guys who it was just so candid so refreshingly uh sad (laughs) but he was just being he was like look this is how many teams there are this is how many leagues Mm -hmm. that i have the option of going to and and by this point it's narrowed down to this and this is how many this is how many guys my age who do the exact same thing at the position i do are all trying to get that same recruiter and that same recruiter to say hey you can have a scholarship in a position at this place right it was just like this is the facts if we're Mm -hmm. talking about the success of something right the winner or the person who gets a spot on the team and there isn't 50 spots or whatever right? right um then all of a sudden it's like it's not just like oh it's a scarcity model and you should think differently it's like no 
what we are valuing is the public recognition of a certain kind of skill. And yeah. it's not even the skill itself. There's plenty of street ballers who are as good, if not better, than some NBA guys. We don't envy them. We're just like, well, that's kind of cool. We envy the people who are making money, who have deals, who are like, you know, the superstars who have the attention. So mm-hmm. so maybe is it, for let's say as Christians, is it is it that we've already made a move if we're envying the a version of success? Whatever your thing is, mm-hmm. right? It's not just the artist. It's the artist who lands this thing or is is recognized by the people yeah so then because if you weren't envying the success part of that you wouldn't care like soliara you wouldn't care that mozart was amazing you'd be like oh my gosh he's amazing maybe i can learn from him like right like there's room for more music in the world but he's like no people recognize his music and not mine Mm-hmm. Right, like it, he won something. There is this thing about recognition, which we talked about with s- several of these other vices. Um, but that even cuts it a little finer, right? Mm. To think that envy is rooted in in some kind of scarcity slash success version of someone's talent or skill mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, now, if you were to say of okay, now you said this about your yourself as far or ourselves as far as career. Um, cause I think this is related. We work at a high school. Yeah. All right. And that's, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. And there isn't like, I don't know, there isn't like, you know, I guess there's like D one high school, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. there isn't like most people's jobs. You can yeah. continually move up. Well, and like people and promote, <laughs> people win teacher of the year, but you don't know their names. You don't know their national names. level teacher nobody of the year. Cares. Yeah. No, meets yeah, yeah. the president, but nobody knows. Nobody cares. Yeah. So. Uh, so, yeah. What is our success as a high school teacher that we would even envy? That's interesting, right? Yeah. Um, I'll just let's be students still liking you 10 years later. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. OK. Or oh, how about this? Students actively in the moment liking another teacher more. Oh, OK. Now I'm stepping into the, the right revs, uh, you know pristine, thoughtful, monkish, you know, contemplative, um, sacred space shoes, teaching his class. Mm -hmm. And, you know, his reputation is absurd on campus in the sense that, like, whether I talk to a student who is not a good student, like someone who's like, oh, I I don't even know why I'm here. Or I talk to a student who's like, I want to do this very same thing for the rest of my life. I love Mm -hmm. being a Mm -hmm. student. Literally within last week, two of those students, one on the high end of, like, you know, superstar a- academic, and one on the I don't think I'm going to college. Both unprompted started talking to me about how the Rev's classroom made them feel like human beings, mm-hmm. made them feel seen and heard in a way that it, it was just the most amazing. Doctor Woods, it was the most amazing experience. Yeah. By the last class, we're just weeping. You know, like tears of like. Which then immediately you're like. <laughs> Oh, I guess. And and okay. Nobody's saying that about I'm my. Like, class. I, I'm like I can't even imagine someone saying the th- the things they were saying about Hayden. I couldn't even. But I'll tell you what. I tried. Okay. Yeah. They're saying it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. No. What? No. <laughs> it's fine. His success is not my failure. Okay. So yeah. That's, every, that's, that's the mantra. That's what I gotta say on the podcast, right? But I'm like, oh my gosh. And then here's what's crazier: is one of them is gonna be my TA. Hmm. And so she's going to watch me fail at being him. Oof. I'm like, it's one thing if I, you know, nobody knows, right? And then she's going to listen to this and really like <laughs> all the pieces. <laughs> but I literally thought for a moment, oh, shoot. 
I shouldn't have her as a TA. Like she knows she, too much. She knows too much. She's gonna be in that room being like, "Well, it's not how the Rev would have done he it." And I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> "Yikes!" Yeah. But it even happens on the inverse, right? Like, um, you know, their students will come up to you and say things like, "Oh man, I loved your class." Not like so and so's. And then there's that moment of like, oh, it's mm-hmm. true. Shout so when you have to, you have to have no, even right. in those that's little right. subtle moments of yeah, like. Oh right, this is um, I don't know. Uh, this is not charitable, helpful, uh, or very you know mature to think this way. And I mean, I see that happen a lot. Um, I think in the teaching profession, yeah. a sign of maturity is when you like don't care if you're the kid's favorite or not. Yeah, and totally. it's it's a, always a big yellow red flag when uh, a teacher is like, well, everybody loves my class, so Woo! yeah, that's a problem. And you're, yeah, it's, you're, you're doomed. You're doomed. I could literally, I mean, as this one student was talking about the class, I could literally feel my, myself thinking, how would I have to like, like teach and be in this class to like, to make people feel like their lives were changed? You know, like I could feel in a moment unprompted as I'm listening to this, like smiling and being like, yeah, it's like one of my dear friends. I know he's amazing. I, I've heard all these things before, but for this moment, I'm like, I want to, I, I want to be able to do that. <laughs> I want to be able to change everyone in the room and make them better right. humans. And I was just like, oh my gosh, the death lies that way. Like I could just feel it in that moment. Like you try, like trying to be somebody else, <laughs> trying. Like it might uh, yeah. seem good, but yeah. I was like, no, 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 because it wouldn't be to disparage. It would be to like to be like it would be like yeah. to imitate or to it, it was an interesting moment because i was like oh i don't usually feel this way but i'm literally stepping into someone else's place mm-hmm. in, in the students minds especially even in the curriculum and so i'm being i'm, I'm actively suddenly thinking of myself in relation to how this other person does this because this is mm-hmm. his thing and it makes you like question um your own giftings right of like <laughs> what has maybe maybe the more valuable gift is the gift that this other person has in whatever scenario we're talking about, right? Like maybe hmm. that's actually what's more needed in the world and what I have isn't actually oh. needed or important or going to make Were you watching my heart? Were you watching it? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, my, my class, we're going to have some, f- it's going to be funny, <laughs> you know? And I was like. <laughs> I, I have things to offer too. <laughs> yeah. So, but I do think like it, gum- I was trying to, I was writing down some thoughts of like, okay, what are the underlying like beliefs about that fostered an envious heart, right? Like what is sort of an underlying groundworking thing. And one of those is um, from, she opens in the quote from Amadeus, but like, does God really value us equally? Like, are we equally loved, equally valued in his eyes? And um, are we really accepted? Or do I sort of need to like pivot, twist, turn, and like distort myself to fit into whatever somebody else is doing or to surpass what somebody else is doing because there are only so many spots in the lifeboat right? and I got to get in one of those. No, that's really, really helpful because you like, okay, just to go back to this example, and I guess I'm using this because he's not here, so it's really easy. I know he's going to listen to this and be mortified. <laughs> Hi, Hayden. He's like, I'm on a walk and now my walk is ruined. <laughs> um, okay, but the students I talked about, okay, mm-hmm. what they were saying was exactly what you said, like just to leave me out of this picture. They were talking about the experience of being in that classroom 
made them feel like they didn't need to be someone else or like someone else mm. to be valued and seen and heard by the one person in, who had authority in the room. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were astonished by. Because it didn't, it didn't actually push them to be rivalry, you know, inducing yeah. or mm-hmm. envious of each other, and they could be at radically different places in life or very similar places in life, and they reacted in the way that they both they, that that felt like they were distinctly okay, the mm-hmm. person that they were, and they didn't need to change to become someone else in order to be valued, like mm-hmm. almost verbatim what yeah. they said, unprompted, yeah. Laura, a t- yeah. out of teenager faces. Okay, <laughs> it was incredible. So. So that unique, that unique experience they had, I think, is something that most people, I don't know if they never experienced that, but most people, including adults, the more adults we get, um, people are not that settled in, right. in who they are in the yeah. Lord. Like, we'll say, um, and I've said this so many times as a pastor or preacher, you know, your identity is hidden in Christ. Yeah. You, are, you are His, right? Um, and yet... Like you're also you, right? Like you, you are this person with these skills, gifts, you know, like whatever, silly idiosyncrasies, whatever mm-hmm. you have. Um, but thinking of like just adults, not even just teenagers who are just becoming and figuring things out, um, to be an adult who is genuinely like comfortable in their own skin, not as an excuse for not growing spiritually or whatever, mm-hmm. but like genuinely like, this is who I am and this is who the Lord's working with. And this is the person that, you know, I am in the Lord and this is, and this is okay. And, and I don't need to, to do something else, um, except continue to trust the Lord, but I don't need to look to my left or my right to figure out if I'm being enough. Right. Like that feeling, I think, as you said before, it's like our whole economy, our whole culture is built on the opposite of that. Yeah. Right. Like it has to push you, to to achieve and to accomplish things mm-hmm. that you haven't achieved yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was listening even in uh, Keller's sermon on envy. He was talking about like envy is a marketing strategy. <laughs> like there are literally <laughs> people it. whose jobs is to That's try to it. make you envious. Yeah. Um, and so to say that we never deal with it or it doesn't really like people people use it, um, abuse it. <laughs> they try to try to get that to motivate us to do whatever the X, Y, or Z to buy. Some, you know, self-improvement course or goop. a product or oh, goop. Goop. Yeah. Envy's make you bad. feel, making you feel bad about something you're doing so you will do something else that they would get paid for. Um, on page 52, uh, Dr. DeYoung says, uh, even when the envier achieves her goal, she still does not have what she really desires or needs, namely a secure, non-contingent, unconditional sense of her own worth. Hmm. Um, well, could you read that again? Yeah. Even when the envier achieves her goal, she still does not have what she really desires or needs, namely a secure, non-contingent, unconditional sense of her own worth. Continuing on, some secular philosophers declare envy to be naturally human and incurable and recommend trying to channel envy's discontent into self-improving strategies. Hmm. What they do not see, however, is that the cure for envy requires getting out of the comparative game of engineering self-worth altogether. Man, there it is. That's excellent. I think of like in Dante's Purgatorio, the uh, the envious um, have their eyes sewn shut Ooh. because they yeah. have not looked upon others um, as 
bearing the image of God, they have looked upon them only as what they mean about me. Yeah. And so the, yeah. their ability to look upon others is taken from them mm-hmm. as a part of their purging their sin. Yeah, that's envy is so isolating. It's so because you cannot interact with another person without you feeling worse about yourself. Mm. And so, yeah, envy is like, you know, a, a real curse if it enters into a community because, um, yeah, relationships just can't be authentic and genuine and, uh, I don't know, mutual. And so you're just sort of doomed to seeing everybody as like a c- competition or a threat. Yeah. What, what are the remedies then? So we're talking, I mean, I think, as you said, the cultural narrative may be, there is no remedy. This is just what it means to be human. I think of even like Girard, like my medic rivalry. Like it's just a way of understanding yeah. how society ends up being. And it is. It is like a key to all human behavior on some level. But um, the culture then is like, okay, we can't get rid of it, Laura. So we're just going to use it to motivate us to, to write mm-hmm. that book or whatever. Uh, but that's obviously not the Christian response. Um, the Christian response is, is the sentence or whatever that you just read about self-worth about about that being being grounded being being something that is settled or suspended or Mm -hmm. right like like uh, what's interesting about purgatorio is for them to get through envy the ability of the others you know being of seeing others is taken away from them yeah it's not like okay now look at that other person but wait as you're looking at them like it's almost yeah. like you need to go somewhere else first right mm-hmm. for us like there has to be something in the lord that you have to go to instead because i think people will oh man in really weird ways maybe surround themselves with people that they don't envy right or that they are like feeling superior to yeah, the big or, fish yeah yeah like people will find ways in the in the weird subtleties of the heart of like addressing this in other ways right mm. of, of mm-hmm. not wanting to feel that way so angling like social groups or angling even jobs i i've seen yeah. people step out of jobs because they clearly wanted to they saw more space over here mm. and there was too much rivalry there and instead of competing or whatever they actually was just a little bit easier path here yeah. to do something and not not as many other people are doing like we'll do other things to cope with it um but how do we actually handle this well or begin to address this if we can identify the places even the people uh in our hearts that we do not actively think I don't know, can celebrate with or whatever the yeah. check is there. Um, how do we practically go about like bringing that to the Lord? Like, mm-hmm. is it just narrating it, describing? Okay. I think there, well, I think there is an element of like sort of you have to self, you have to diagnose it a little bit or have people, you know, in your life help you diagnose it. Um, I think it sort of starts with a fundamental understanding that I'm not seeing, um, God is in control, or I, I'm seeing him as maybe holding a grudge against me or not giving me as much talent as other people. Like, it's, mm. at the heart level, it's a belief that God's not actually looking out for you, or he's not actually... Fair. Fair, or kind, right, or generous, right? And so I think understanding that as like, oh, that's my heart posture. In the, I mean, talking a lot about him today, but in a classic Keller sermon, whose name I can't remember because it was many years ago, he talks about the, do you view God as a landlord or a father? Nice. Because if God is your landlord, you're going to be annoyed when the 
you know, sink is leaking or whatever. And you're gonna be like, I paid for this. Like, this is not, this is unacceptable. You need to fix this. Mm. But if God's your father, you're just, you don't really see the, those issues in the same light. Like you're not sort of indignant. Right. How could this happen to me? Um, and so I think I was reflecting on that sort of parallel of how are you viewing God? Like if somebody else is successful and you get angry, you're saying that like God isn't actually looking out for you. God doesn't actually, you know, going to take care of you or. Or he's given these gifts to someone who doesn't deserve them the way that right, you do. Right. And or, you've put all this work in. Or what have I done that's wrong? Yeah. Why is he rewarding them and not We've me? We've done the same amount of work, but look at their success and look Karma. where I'm at. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that's one thing. And then, but then I do think it has to be lived out in practice. So, yeah, I, she talks about in, in the chapter, uh, investing ourselves deliberately and deeply in activities with shared or common goods. Like she talks about um, investing in a beautiful piece of art, hiking to find a breathtaking view, things that are non-competitive, right? Um, But I do think a competitive person will make anything competitive or like an envious heart will see a beautiful painting and be like, God, what the heck? I didn't do that. Um, So yeah, I'm pondering that as well. I do think there needs to be some sort of depending on how your envy comes about, some sort of technological fasting, probably a closing of the eyes in mm-hmm. some sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and investing in things just for the enjoyment of them and not necessarily for them getting you ahead or hustling or whatever. Yeah. Well, when we talked about um, in a previous uh, episode, inter- the interconnectedness, right? Yeah. Because if you, you can't deal with the envy thing, maybe if you're not dealing with vainglory, right? Like yeah. if you're like, if you still like need people to see you a certain way, you're always going to be jealous or envious mm-hmm. of the person who is seen that way, right? That there are, there are these little sort of tendrils to a couple other key things. Um, but it is interesting, like, even the the practical recommendation of like you know a tech fast or something, um, the the doom scrolling thing, right? And, yeah. And and like the the everybody knows it ad nauseum, but like social media makes you feel worse, right? Mm-hmm. In looking at people being beautiful and traveling, you yeah. feel worse. Mm-hmm. So like if that's true, so first like don't feed that because you end up just secretly hoping all these kids you went to high school with don't do very well. Right. Right. Like you end up in really weird spaces, especially if you had like, I don't know, like people will like stock X's and like, Oh, you know, yeah. Oh no. Like if they're successful or they look happy, yeah. like, oh. um, like people get Oof. pretty wild about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's like first, like we can't trust ourselves if, if we're not able to look at people and celebrate with those who celebrate and lament with those who lament. Um, then then we probably should take that away uh, and kind of be quieter, right? Um, but but I think reckoning with the Lord and, and and accepting from him, as you say, as a father instead of a landlord, accepting from him who you are and who you aren't, mm-hmm. I think that's like, because especially when you're young, when you have all these ambitions and you're, told encouraged or you hope like there, there's no limit to what you could be right as you get to my age <laughs> um there is right like yeah. y- you've you're you're i mean happily uh settling into yeah. a form of life that is no longer like paralyzingly open as to oh. what if oh man right like our our students are like what if 
And I'm like, oh, you poor Being child. Being in your 20s was so exhausting. Yes. I was exhausted. That's the quintessence of what if. Because it's your, in your hands now. If you're in your early 20s and you're exhausted by your options, it gets better. I suppose if you like, if you make commitments and you sort of dig deep, yeah. it, that, that sort of gnawing feeling goes away. Okay, yeah. You need to fill your life with good things. Yeah, good commitments. That are not just... Um, everything is organized around the achievement of goals or, yeah. or right, of advancing my uh-huh. whatever. Um, the person who chooses a relationship over a career advancement wow. is the very rare but very wise person, right? Like mm-hmm. that, that is going to do something in the heart to say, uh, I, I value this person or I value my family more than just whatever this career could offer me yeah. and, and my family would accept because everyone accepts whatever's best for promotion and and for the financial bottom line right yeah like if you made tough decisions about the good and settling into commitments to the good um you might find that some of those structures of ambition or vainglory um that i think are just rooted in uh, or envy is rooted in maybe one way or the other um those might loosen detach break away entirely um like there's times when i like I think about being a teenager and I think of my one of my closest friends was Nate Sheffy and I envied him like crazy. Ooh. I loved Nate Sheffy. But the problem with Nate was he and I were similar and he was better. Mm-hmm. So like we were both smart and he was smarter. And it was like obvious, right? Like his SAT, I think he might have aced the SAT. And okay. I did well and I was like, but my well looked pathetic next to perfect. And what does it even mean? And then worse, worse, usually it can be like, all right, well, he's a nerd, but wow. I have this sense of humor. He's incredibly funny. So he has this great sense of humor. I'm like, shoot, like I turn left, I turn right, and he's still better, right? Mm-hmm. And I loved being with Nate. We loved hanging out. We had a great time. But I was always like, oh, my gosh, this is like this person. And I didn't have a lot of those people who lined up with the things I valued quite that way. Yeah. You know, with the goofballs or the, the, the class clowns, I could usually say, all right, but I, but I have good grades or, or you know, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go somewhere academically. <laughs> but he was like both sides. And I was like, shoot. And I remember feeling that like really strongly, like making sure I didn't. You know, like I don't know I, making sure like I wasn't ever against him I wasn't trying to undermine him I just remember like oh man like that is right. frustrating mm-hmm. because I don't ha- I don't know where I belong because mm-hmm. he's occupying both of the spots I actually value right right and then uh, having to learn how to be how to be his cheerleader even in the midst of that pain here's the deal it was so much easier to just finish high school and move away Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like if I had like gone to college right beside him or something like it would have been like felt torturous almost yeah and yet that just shows the immaturity right or the inability I would have so I came out to California to this big old ocean of people right who didn't mm-hmm. know me and all of a sudden like I didn't have to feel whatever because I didn't know anybody well enough to envy anybody you know mm-hmm. like I could I can see that in my 17 year old heart okay now so many years later like by the mercies of God I, I'm not as interested in being the things I was interested in being at yeah. 17. I'm not like, I, oh, I, people need to notice this or see this. I'm like, I got three children. Like, that's right. what I'm interested in them. Mm-hmm. You know, I have this incredible wife. I have this sweet little church. Like, I'm interested in that. I like hanging out with you and the, and the people we work with or outside of work. I'm interested in that. But like, those things aren't like, yeah. you know, like they don't, they don't stir anything. Well, 
Yeah. And I think we're, we're in a, an age or a part of our lives. It's about like, um, I guess the word would be caretaking or cultivating, caretaking the things we have. We're not like trying to build something anymore so yeah. much. I mean, um, in a healthy way, not in a like we're resigned to where we are. But in like we have sweet things around us and we need to just make sure they're doing well. Yeah. And that has reached a higher priority, at least in my heart. Than like yeah, trying to be somebody, right? Make a name for myself, build something new. Sounds a little exhausting, <laughs> you know. Amen. It's like I've got I've got things that I need to tend to that are already underway. That's the right word too. It's like you get hopefully, and but see, I know people older than me who That's aren't true. there, so that, I know I'm taking it for granted. But at some point, the hope is seeking the Lord, following His will instead of your own ambition. Um, he, you end up with like a plot of land. Yeah. You end up with like, you got your people, mm-hmm. but you end up with your place. You end up, right? Like you end up with the thing. And then it's like, cultivate that. Like tend yeah. this, right? Build this up. Uh, the, you know, we talked about like people like Elmar's gifts, like draw people into this space. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, build more community here, right? But that's someone who's already sort of say, oh, I have like this plot of land or these gifts or this skill or, or this location or this position. Um, what would it look like to cultivate that and, and make mm-hmm. that help that prosper and help the people in that space prosper? And then you're when you have that, like the Lord's given me this little plot of land and it's not that plot of land and it's not every yeah. plot of land and it's not, I don't know where mine is, right? Like a teenager, yeah. that I was like, I don't know where my plot of land is going to be. But like I feel very like viscerally, like I've been given a few things to tend to and that's going to take all that I have. All our attention. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, yeah, I don't know how I would uh, start a new thing at this point. I'm like, Woo, this, there's so many things to tend to. And I think that's when you know the Lord is really the thing the Lord's, if you're being called to a new thing, I think that's a good litmus test is like, how faithfully have you been tending to the plot where you are? Mm. And if he is calling you to a new plot, um, like, is, yeah, how is how is you have to sort of look at where you're standing and how that's going and how you've been tending to it and how supportive the people in your current plot are of the new thing. Oh, I like that. You always bring that communal, like I mean, other yeah. people looking at things and being able to speak. They into see it. it. They, <laughs> I love yeah. that though, because it implies you have, you know, cultivated or the Lord has helped you cultivate, um, right. people who actually know you. Right. And then if it's somebody who's, you know, somebody in your little, and your little plot of land is like, hey, so just so you know, every three years you start doing this and looking, you're like, Ooh, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, because those are the profound friendships I have of the people who have like noticed habits or patterns or have asked enough questions that by the time if I've got a new idea or a new spark, like their wholehearted support or their questions like mean a lot. I love that. Also, that check that you mentioned, sort of like the the talents, right? Um, were you faithful with the little things? Oh yeah. Like if you're, if you are hoping for more, if you're hoping for some achievement or some, some other thing, um, and the Lord would ask you, have you been faithful with this little thing? Because like I could say, oh, well, I have a plot of land. Uh, you know, we're renters. You know, <laughs> um, but someday, you know, when we grow up, you know, we'll have our own land or whatever. But it's like, uh, have you been faithful with the apartment? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we need a house, you know, have you been faithful with these relationships or can you not can you not see healthy, you know, in a healthy way, the people near you, especially those that do what you do and do it well. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, have you been faithful? Like, why would the Lord want to 
to move you along or to to move you up, whatever that possibly could mean in the kingdom, um, if you haven't been faithful with the little that you had to begin with, right? That there's whatever you're at. Like if we have a student who would listen to this at some point, they have a plot of land as mm-hmm. a 15, 16 year old. Yeah where they have certain responsibilities the Lord's given them, certain relationships that he's brought into their life that they are to tend and yeah. cultivate, right? In the same way that I am to tend and cultivate my family, my church, you know, and those relationships. So you're not waiting to get to that point. Oh, when you sort of resign yourself, settle down, get a career, then you can mm-hmm. actually kind of take your foot off this sort of rivalry, envious kind of thing. It's like, no, no, whatever, wherever you're at, you have something to tend to and right. to care for well. Yeah. DeYoung quotes the famous and lovely Mother Teresa quote where she s- says, if only we could remember that God loves us and we have an opportunity to love others as he loves us, not in the big things, but in the small things with great love. Amen. I think that's a good way to go out. Laura, thank you for helping us think through uh, some of these things. As always, I feel like I'm going to have to <laughs> keep thinking as I drive home. Pondering. Ponder, ponder. Um, but I just, I love uh, the word of, of people in your life who can help you see. I think envy is underneath a lot of the places mm-hmm. we normally are able to go to. I think it's a little deeper down. I think that's at least yeah. what I've been sensing in myself is, mm-hmm. I don't think I experienced this. And then the longer I actually dig, I'm like, ah. It's in there. It's in there. (laughs) So take the time to dig. But, you know, dig with friends. (laughs) Dig with friends and good food. And, uh, you know, and the Lord's good. And he, whatever we see of ourselves or think about ourselves, he sees us as a loving, as the loving father. Right. I don't, my kids don't occupy a rivalry for my heart. Like they have their own role, their own distinct personality. And I like celebrate that they are themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, may that be true of our ability to, to rest in, in the Father's love and good care. Thank you, Lord, for this conversation. Thank you, David. Thank you, David.